All right, uh, checking in here. It's uh, Tuesday, May 10th, 2011. This is Mana Sculpting with Wally Bullard and Trevor Isham. Hey, guys. And uh, this is our fourth podcast, so if you've been with us the whole time, thanks. And uh, in this cast, we're going to talk about uh, how we did the pre-release this weekend and kind of share some thoughts on what cards are sweet, what weren't, and kind of what to look for going forward. So, without further ado, Wally, why don't you take uh, the viewers through uh, how we did this weekend. Uh, we did as good as could be expected, considering that we didn't want to play in the finals. Um, <laughs> uh, Trevor went 3-0. Uh, I went 2-0-1 with an ID to somebody else who is in our playgroup, Trevor's brother, Tyler. Um, so we get both top four. So we had three of the top four spots locked up. And uh, we offered a draw with the other guy, and he walked away with, you know, a quarter of a box, which is nice. Yeah, so the way, quick, real quick, the way they did the format was they decided that we were going to play three rounds, and then the top four would cut to a tournament for a box as the prize. So basically, uh, after two rounds, uh, three of the people in our playgroup were 2-0, and so basically I got paired outside of our play group. So if I won my match, it allowed the other two guys to ID, which would put three of us into the top four. And then in the interest of time, we just offered a split with that guy. So. <laughs> yeah. And I just want to point out that I beat Tyler in two. I just want to point that out there because I figure he'll listen to this. So I beat you. You're welcome. <laughs> um. But I kind of want to. I just kind of want to run my list down, real quick. Um, nothing super exciting. I didn't open any sweet, like super bomby new cards like Trevor did. But um, I'll just run mine down real quick. I played uh, Rug and Splash some Phyrexian white cards. Uh, I played one Shatter, one Arc Trail, one Fallen Fairlancer, one Mycosynth and Wellspring, one Apostle's Blessing, two Porcelain Legionnaires. One Blinding Soul Leader, two Glistener Elves, one Mutagenic Grove, one Phyrexian Swarmlord, one Chain Throat Seeker, one Gataxian Probe, one Viral Drake, two Stoic Rebuttals, one Hellkite, Steel Hellkite, one Steady Progress, one Thrumming Bird, one Silver Mirror, one Horizon Skull Bomb, and one Dark Steel Sentinel. Um, so, it turns out that like a half infect, half damage death may not be a bad thing. Because uh, that's kind of how I won. Like I won like one game in every match with an infect and the other one with damage. Yeah, so I mean clearly like, I mean your bombs are the Swarm Lord and the Steel Hellkite. Yeah. Right? So, uh, so outside of those cards, what would you say, you know, what are the next, what are the, what are the best, you know, the best next two out of those that, you know, perform the best in you, in your games? Uh, Creature-wise, uh, the Porcelain Legionnaire is is a beating. Um, I don't know that he's, he's first pickable, but he's definitely second or third pickable. Um, and Viral Drake is amazing. Um, he's, he's very first pickable unless you open a ridiculous rare bomb or another super bomby card. Um, he's very good. Yeah, it feels like uh, Porcelain Legionnaire is first pickable in like triple new Phyrexia, but Mirrored and Besiege makes him a little weaker 
because of the amount of like one damage removal spells running around, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, and it was nice having two because if I ran into one, it was, it was nice to offer the trade because just the odds of them having more than one aren't that great, I guess. So uh, playing two was nice. Uh, outside of that, just like a quick like side note, blinding soul leader um, was an all-star too. You know, it kept me from taking like I take two damage to tap down there, like their five-seven bomb, like their chancellors. Uh, which was nice. I just didn't take as much damage and allowed me to race it a little bit. Yeah, and that card just seems like an all-star because it performs well on offense, it performs well on defense, and yeah, you didn't, you, like, you didn't even play any planes in your deck, and like, I imagine like you, it was still effective every time you had it on the battlefield. It really was, and I mean, it's really just, you know, if you're only taking one or two damage, don't pay the life, but if if, you're, if it's a significant loss of life, uh, go ahead and go for it. And I mean, I think what I learned out of this is don't be afraid of Phyrexian mana. Uh, I mean, there were times that, like, I would drop a Glistener Elf turn one and still play Gataxian Probe just to be able to do it. Uh, you know, even though I had a, an island in my hand and the elf wasn't, I didn't feel it was going to be super relevant early game. You know, just paying the two life for the peak was nice, especially running counter spells because you just, if they had their bomb in their grip, one of their bombs, which normally they do, you know, because that's the part of why you keep your hand and sealed, and you just know what turn to leave mana up on and yeah, so go ahead and crush them. Were you able to get anyone with your apostles blessing? All the time. Uh, yeah. To the point that I would, on purpose, like, tap my mana goofy, you know, or, like, leave. I left a blue up and still paid two life for Gataxian Probe so I could uh, <laughs> get there with Apostle's Blessing. You know, yeah. and it's, you know, obviously, like, telegraphing that I had a trick um, to pass with one blue mana open because there's not a lot of blue mana instants for one yeah. that are really good. But people played into it anyway, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean... And that's and when you tell them, and that's like, when you tell them, you know, listen to the cast, right? <laughs> yeah, and so it's just like, oh, you know. And a lot of times I used it, you know, oh, my guy has protection from artifacts. Or my guy has protection from the removal spell. But it did feel like more often than not, I was stopping them from, like, just like blocking an artifact with, you know, my Vile Drake or my Listener Elf or something. Yeah. So I did do it once when they attacked with a porcelain legionnaire and I had one out to give my guy pro white so that way their guy died and my dead. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So sweet. Uh, I have I have one like bad beat story, I guess like one bad play. I know uh like I was playing John. There's a guy John in the in our play group and I know he had the blue chance like he showed it, you know. He played at game one, and I tap it down with Blinding Soul Eater. But I needed to hit my fifth land drop uh, to play my Steel Health Act, so I had my Soul Eater out. So I shattered my Wellspring to search for a land. Um, I got one attack in with my Hellkite, and then he played his bl the Blue Chancellor and shattered my Hellkite. So that was kind of a beating. Ouch. But ended up winning the game anyway. So were there any cards in your deck that shouldn't have been there? 
or maybe even cards like in your sideboard you thought you might use and then in reality you just didn't use? Um, I actually didn't ever go to the sideboard. Um, I had some, uh, like two uh, Glissa Scorns in the board if I needed any extra artifact removal. Uh, and I mean, I think maybe I could have not played Steady Progress and played one of those main, but Steady Progress just for the card draw was good. I don't think I, I think I only cast it once that I actually proliferated, uh, but just the card draw, just having the card draw was nice. Yeah. Sweet. So, so yeah, your deck. Anyway, so I sat down with my deck list, and like commons and uncommons were pretty. I, I don't know. They weren't. They weren't fantastic. Pretty underwhelming. And so I thought back to a video I heard actually from the very esteemed LSV, where he said, "Order your cards. Start out by just grabbing your rares and mythics, and power uncommons, and just line them up." So I did that. And it turns out that I had an Elish Norn, Sunblast Angel, and a Volition Reigns as my three most powerful cards. So I said, well, looks like I'm going to be something in blue-white. So then I lined up a bunch of other stuff, and I kind of made this blue-white Metalcraft list. Um, actually, I played like Corpse Curse and Chrome Seed and Rusted Relic, and that was that seemed good. And you know, that was kind of a mediocre artifact cards. And then I noticed that I had all these little infect beaters, and I did have two corpse cur, and so I thought to myself, well, what's to say you can't do blue-white infect and new Phyrexia? And so I did. So my list ended up being an Elish Norn, a Sunblast Angel, Bliss and Reigns, a Chain Throat Seeker, two Blighted Agents, three Lost Leonin, a Gremlin Mine, a Rusted Relic, Chrome Steed, two Corpse Cur, Skyhill School, a Spine Thopter, an Act of Aggression, a Spell Skite, a Wall of Tango Cord, Revoke Existence, a Flight Spell Bomb, a Contagion Clasp, and one Psychic Barrier. So, uh, at the end of the day, actually a pretty insane list. <laughs> uh, the card that was just bonkers good, and every time I cast it, I just felt invincible, was Elish Norn. Um, in fact, the first time I cast it, it killed all of his creatures, and then I was able to, you know, bash in. I think it was like six, in fact. And then, like, he played two creatures, and, like, one of them was a 1-1. One, one. one was, like, the Master Splicer, so it brought, like, that and then a Golem in, and the other one was just, like, a 2-2. Two, two. And I was like, yeah, like, they're they're both dead. <laughs> and, it, you know, and he didn't even realize it. It just, it just felt like I was cheating. And so, I mean, that card... It's just really, really good. <laughs> um, and then, of course, Volition Reigns and Sealed, um, I think is actually like one of the best cards you can open, um, just because it basically is like the best card on the table. Um, or actually, it's like the best card in both people's decks, because whatever the best card is, like it takes. And it's even better than that best card because you know you just like two for one them. You know, you took a card that they spent mana and time casting and, you know, put it on your side of the board. Um, so it definitely, it's it won me the tournament. It's, it, you know, it saved me in a, in a critical game, you know, where I was pretty behind on the board and I was able to cast it and, and get back into it. So, um, 
Yeah, so, I mean, the card that I was always hoping to draw, but never did, was Active Aggression. Um, there were just so many combat phases where, you know, they were bashing with multiple creatures, and I just, you know, if I had an Active Aggression, you know, I, I you know, could have done just some pretty filthy things. Um, but was never able to, because I, I literally never drew it the whole tournament. <laughs> um... The card that got everyone, just like time and time again, was Spellskite. Um, people just kept casting their removal at like my other relevant artifacts, like Chrome Steed or Rusted Relic, um, or like my Blighted Agent one time, and yeah, just boom, like redirect to Spellskite, and yeah, they're just like, oh, that's what that does. <laughs> Now, did you do that with uh, mana or with life? Um, I did it, it was about 50-50, so I think I did it four times, and twice I did it with mana, and twice I did it with life, so. Um, e both times, like, either way, though, was, like, they were equally, like, kind of baffled. <laughs> like, whoa, I, you know, I didn't, I guess I didn't read that card, you know, well enough. So, um, it seemed really good, um. And then, let's see, I'm looking through my list right now. Uh, another great card is Gremlin Mine. Like, it just takes care of a lot of the relevant artifacts in the set. Um, like, four power is, it's like pretty, it's like pretty solid um, when you can just pay one mana for a four, you know, to remove, you know, a four powered creature, or four toughness creature. Um, so that card just was like really good. And then, like, the Blighted Agents, like, I think I won like 60% of my games off of Blighted Agent, just bashing 10 times. Um, just play it on turn two and, you know, just kind of prick, prick, prick away <laughs> until you get there. Yeah, or until you cast Alice Norn and he's a 3-3 three, three unblockable inspector. <laughs> exactly, and yeah, that definitely happened in, you know, a couple of games, so. Um, yeah, so definitely fun um, and really solid, so. What is the best thing you stole with your volition rays? Uh, viral Drake. Um, especially in my deck, because my deck basically was an infect deck. So like every time I took like you know I let's say I, I take it no, I just did it once. I took a viral Drake once, and you know then I had a contagion clasp on the board, so I was able to you know double. I mean I could double proliferate anyway, but basically I was just able to double proliferate and attack my blighted agent. And leave the Drake back on defense, and like it just got there <laughs> shortly yeah. afterward. You know, Viral Drake is, is pretty amazing. Yeah, no, that I mean, like it's definitely first pickable. It's just a really powerful card. It feels a lot like um, that card in M11, the four-three flyer that could tap down flyers just for mana cost. I can't remember what it's called now, but. It, it felt a lot like that card, just that, you know, I was able to attack effectively and, you know, provide offense and defense and, you know, just proliferating. And so proliferating just seems like a really awesome mechanic. I'm liking it way more in this set than I did in the last one. Yeah, exactly. And I think part of that is because of the, like, Phyrexian mana. Like, and then also there's just, there is a lot of counters. Um... I guess the one card that, that also that um, just seemed like really sweet in my deck was Pristine Talisman. 
which is it's just like a mana source but like the reality is, is i usually gained like six seven eight life off of it um like every turn i gained a life which was awesome yeah it seems it seems good if you're also casting spells that cost Phyrexian mana plus one because yeah. then it's right you pay them you get the mana gain the life and then just pay two life so you only end up minus one life Exactly. And, like, you know, I had a guy cast Glenhawk on turn one, um, you know, off of Mox Opal, and it just didn't really matter. Like, <laughs> because, you know, by turn three or whatever, I was just gaining a life a turn. And so, like, you know, a one like, taking one damage a turn just really isn't a big deal when you have, like, a 2 1 Infector, which is effectively dealing them four damage. So. Yeah. Did you ever resolve your cha your chain throat seeker? Yes, yeah, multiple times. Um, oh. I didn't live very long, <laughs> but <laughs> I was able to resolve it. I did not get a chance to, <laughs> but, but maybe this weekend. Yeah. So, but anyway, um, a couple cards that in general, like, cause a couple people asked me to look at their decks and. Um, you know, I, you know, I always tell them, like, hey, you should have listened to our cast. You know this card is good or this card isn't. Um, and, like, yeah. a card that, um, kind of a card I thought was being consistently um, overplayed. Uh, I just lost it. All right, you'll have to cover it for me because I just completely lost it. You know, the one interesting thing was that, you know, we kind of predicted that we'd see a lot of black at this event, and I didn't really see a lot of black cards, which I thought was kind of interesting, you know, just in general, as a general comment. Yeah, I, I played one, I played against one deck that, was, that played black, and it was it was Tyler's. Uh, he played black because he opened the Skitherics, and yep. it got countered uh, every time he tried to play it against me. So I didn't see a lot of relevant black cards at the table. Um, I played against uh, the guy I played in round one. Actually played uh, like a green white splicer deck. He had like five of the splicers, including master splicer. Mm -hmm. But once you kill the splicers, they're just three three, you know, gray golems that don't do anything. Yeah. And they die to Porcelain Legionnaire. So. <laughs> Another reason that card's good. Yeah. So um a card there it is, I found it. Victorious Destruction I thought was underplayed. Um I mean it's basically like another shatter. Um and you know, if someone has an artifact bomb, like I don't see any reason why this, you know, doesn't 
at least come into your list. So, yeah, I saw a lot of people with these buried pretty deep in their sideboards. And then another one in red is that I think was overplayed was Slash Panther. And, like, it's good, but, like, basically you have to pay two life um, to get a 4-2 Haster on turn four that trades with, you know, any two-power guy. Um, so it just it just seemed pretty overrated. Like, I had a cast against me once, and I was just like, okay. Like, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll trade with my lost Leonin or whatever. Like, that's fine. Like... <laughs> You know, my two-mana cost guy, you know, just took out your guy for, you know, two life and your four-mana. So, it, it seems a little overrated to me. Yeah, I I agree. I saw a couple people who were playing it. I actually never saw it played against me. It just does not feel like a card I would want to play unless I desperately needed creatures. Yeah. And I'm, I'm desperately... Then the other card that, you know, a couple of our friends played actually was Molten Steel Dragon. And, like, and I kind of had this feeling about it beforehand. You know, obviously it looks good, but it, it could be, like, a severe trap. Because so many times I said, you know, I'd pick Twite on turn four and pay four, you know, four life, and then it'd be shattered, you know, or, you know, or like, one of the many artifact removal cards in the set. And I just felt like that was its problem, that it was soft to almost any removal in the format. I mean, like, Dismember, Cross of Darkness, Shatter, Cliff of Scorn, Victorious Destruction. I mean, like, the list goes on and on of cards that eat this one, you know, which may just cost you a lot of life. <laughs> yeah, it seems that the, the smart play here for those of you that are going to play this card would be to wait <laughs> until you can cast a spell to stop how they're going to kill it, i.e. a possum blessing. Yeah. Combos really well with this card. Uh, just wait an extra turn. You know, get that five mana so you can use a possum blessing if they're going to shatter or, you know, however they're going to kill your guy. Yeah. Now, speaking of that, one card that I totally misranked is Artillerize. And even at the event, I actually, you know, told somebody, yeah, you probably shouldn't play that in your deck. But then I kind of thought about it, and I realized with the lack of removal in the set and the number of little guys, Artillerize actually is, like, a pretty sweet card. Um, and definitely something that, you know, you should think about playing in, in your 40 cards, so. Yeah, Artillerize would have killed every creature in my deck, so. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just a, you know, basically a missight, you know, on my part. But, uh, you know, pretty a pretty solid card in retrospect. <laughs> Much, would be much better if the creature dealt the damage. But yes, you know, there's a reason they didn't do that because then the <laughs> would just be bonkers. Yeah, exactly. So, um, let's see. I mean, that's that about covers it. I mean, I think we nailed a lot of the cards previously. Um, you know, uh, we kind of piloted our decks as best we could, built them as best we could, and. Um, you know, those are the people that uh, finished up there with us listened to our cast. And like my brother said, he goes, yeah, I just listened to your cast, and that was the only research I did. <laughs> and yeah, he I, built a pretty sweet helped. deck out of it. <laughs> yeah, and I think, I think he played it really well. Uh, yeah, and I mean, he's just like a total casual player too, right? <laughs> like, Yeah. But he was able to take that information and, you know, come up with a, you know, a nice finish. Turned out, turned out well for 
for everyone involved, I think, in the play group. Yeah, so going forward, um, you know, it releases this weekend. And I know you'll be playing. I got some family commitments, so I got to bow out. But, uh, you know, that sounds good. And um, going also going forward from there, you know, we've been playing around a lot with, uh, you know, triple new Phyrexia as a draft format, um, which I have to endorse. It it, uh, it seems really fun, and the amount of uh, kind of Phyrexian mana cards you can get um, kind of makes for some really interesting games uh, where there's just a lot of combat tricks and it, it just is a lot of fun to play. Yeah, I, I've been drafting it online a lot on uh, Magic Draft Sim, and I just, I really think it'd be a lot of fun. You know, just like I was a big fan of drafting Triple the Siege, um, mostly because there was a, a black white infect deck that was a lot of fun to play. But there's there's some definite upsides to drafting triple new Brexia and you know I'm looking forward to, to taking a box or so and doing the draft. It should be fun. Yeah. So. Um. Anyway, so we're looking forward a little bit. Uh, you know, we like to talk about standard a good amount. So I think real quick we'll just kind of cover some decks that people should be aware of. You know, things we've kind of been testing with and. You know, found to be good, and you might run into it in your next couple F and M's, and you might be like, "What is this?" Um, and uh, so we'll kind of run through that real quick, uh, just so you know what these new combo decks look like, how they work, and you know what are some possible ways to disrupt them, or cards you should be playing in your existing list to uh, you know, help get around them. Um, so the first one, I'll let you cover it, is the Deceiver Exarch Splinter Twin deck. Yeah, um, so the combo is Deceiver Exarc, which when it comes into play, or I'll run the whole card down, it's a 1-4 with Flash for two colorless and a blue, and when it comes into play, you can tap or untap target permanent. Uh, and then there's Splinter Twin, which is, you know, tap the tap enchanted creature, put a copy of it into play. So you would equip Splinter Twin to Deceiver Exarc, make a copy of it, Untap the one with Splinter Twin, make a copy of it, untap the one with Splinter Twin, and just make, you know, a million dudes. And they all have haste, so you just attack for the win, you know, with a million dudes. Yep, uh, so this can all happen on turn four, right? Yeah, turn four is, is pretty common. Yep. Uh, at least, I mean, that's what I've, I've been getting a combo out when I've been testing it. Uh, that being said, most removal outside of red, you know, deals with this combo right away. Yep. You know, like in response to casting of Splinter Twin, you know, to do Blade seems really good and go for the throat or any of that thickness. Yeah, so, exactly. So. Have, oh, I was just going to say if you have enchantment removal, uh, just make sure you play it. After they trigger the first copy, because then you kill it, and then when they untap their guy, they can't do it anymore. So yeah, exactly. Wait. Okay, so that's that's just one way to beat it. Yeah, you know, a lot of people have been talking about boarding in Celestial Purge, right, to kill Splinter Twin. Yeah. So you have to. So let's go over that again, just to be really clear. So they tap. 
they play the Spirit Twin, and then they tap their Deceiver Exarch, right? So they make yeah. a new one. Yeah, so that ability is on the stack, and so if you uh, remove the Splinter Twin before that ability resolves, so if you do it in response to them activating ability before the new Exarch comes into play, then when they go to untap or tap whatever permanent, you know, the Splinter Twin will already be gone, so they will have only gotten one extra guy. Exactly. Perfect. So that's that's probably the easiest way to beat it, um, other than like you know spell pierce seems good. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, really. clearly you know countering into the exarc or the you know the one thing to remember though to keep in mind is that they can flash in the exarc at the end of you know your third turn. Um, you know, which kind of you know it's just something some players will forget. It's like, okay, I didn't play Exarch this turn, so I'm fine to like you know roll out my Tumble Magnet or you know I'm fine to play my Stoneforge Mystic. You know, no, whatever even it then, is. Even with Tumble Magnet, you can tap their Exarch in response to them casting the Splinter Twin to buy yourself a turn. Okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. It's a good. Um, it's a good or one. actually, to buy yourself three turns, right? Because you have. Yeah, you can do it on their upkeep, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah, all right. So that's that's good. Um, so then the other combo deck, and it's one I ran into last night, and it was completely bamboozled by, uh, because he went turn one Halimar Excavator, which is a 1-3 ally for two mana. Yeah. And when it enters the battlefield or another ally enters the battlefield, you know, mill as many cards as... You have allies. So, yeah, I milled a card. And then next turn he went Nest Invader. And I thought, okay. First I thought I was playing a nil deck. And now I'm a little bit afraid of Beastmaster Ascension. So not really sure what we're getting at here. So I tapped out. And then he played Xenograft. And named Allies. So I thought, okay. So, you know, he's going to get, you know, one extra ally trigger, you know, with his, you know, with the Nest Invader now. So I was like, okay, I can I can probably handle that. I'm playing a blue-white Venser control deck. And then the big part of the combo comes down when he plays Turn Timber Ranger, <laughs> which costs five mana, uh, two forests, and three colorless. And when it enters the battlefield, you put a wolf into play. Um, you know, when, when an ally enters the battlefield, you put a 2-2 wolf into play. So all creatures, because of Xenograft, entering the, al entering the battlefield are allies. So every wolf that comes in is an ally, which means you add another wolf. And then, so at that point I thought, well, I'm fine. He'll just make a million wolves, which is obviously quite powerful. And then I'll cast the Day of Judgment and, you know, like, <laughs> take over the game. Well... What I did not realize at first was that how my excavator was going to mill me for a bajillion cards. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, like, if you made three million wolves, you milled, you know, three million cards. <laughs> yeah, actually more than that, because it's like one card for each ally that you already control. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like, <laughs> so it was like, you know, so it's just something you have to look out for. Uh, again, you know, the way to combat that is, you know, don't let allies land. Uh, more importantly, don't let their Xenograph land. Um, that's actually, like, the most important piece of the combo is the Xenograft. Uh, 
Um, and they, the deck list that I saw seems to try to get around that by by a ramp strategy. So they play birds and nest invader and lotus cobras and stuff like that. So, but definitely you know some decks to be on the lookout for. You know in your next F and M if you see turn you know turn two helm or excavator. You know look out for that xenograft. As we're talking about combo decks, I'm just going to go ahead and say my piece on how to beat combo decks. You know, a new card is Gataxian Probe. You know, you cast it on... It's also good in combo decks, so don't don't think that, you know, you're going to get around it. But, you know, you cast it, you see what they're playing, like what's in their hand, and then know, like if you're playing counter spells, know when to leave up a counter, know when to tap out. Uh, but on the same note, they can do it right back to you because both of these combo decks play blue, and you don't even have to be playing blue to do it. Yeah. But to know when to know when they're safe to run run out, you know, their combo to play around your counter spells. Yeah. So that's another card to to beat them and to get beat by. So. Yeah. No, clearly, uh, clearly, you know, pretty good decks. And, uh, you know, I was telling the store owner on Saturday, like, I, you know, I think Splinter Twin's going to hold. Like, that combo just seems really powerful. And, you know, kind of like I was telling you, like, you know, it doesn't even matter if you cast it on, like, turn seven. You know, which is kind of like what Jason was telling me, too. Like, well, the game is pretty much over on turn seven. I'm like, it doesn't matter. Like, the game is over on turn seven. <laughs> you know, if you get this combo out, like, it, you know, it doesn't matter if you're on one life and they have, you know, like three planeswalkers and yeah <laughs> yeah like this just wins <laughs> yeah i think uh the deck will end up getting hated out pretty quick so um like i i don't know i mean i don't think they're that splinter twin's gonna drop down to below a dollar again no um, I, I mean it's i, I don't be... expect it to hold a 10 by any means i think you know, five to six dollars is pretty fair. Yeah, I think we're, I think the card used for reference for this is Fauna Shaman, a little bit. You know, Fauna Shaman might be you know a little bit more popular. It goes in a few more decks, um, but you know it's like the most valuable rare in a set. Um, you know, and it, it's at you know like five six dollars. You know, maybe like Green Sun Zenith is another good example, or Black Sun Zenith. Like niche cards, you know, are like best rare in the set kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, so I think mean, that's kind of like the price range, yeah, like somewhere between like five and eight. Um, but kind of as long as this combo exists, there's going to be players that will use it because there are players that love, you know, like just combo killing you in one turn. Yeah, there's there's a lot of Johnnies out yeah, there, right? Exactly, and they're gonna play um, this combo and they're gonna love it and you know they're gonna keep their copies of Splinter Twin and so. Yeah, I think something to look out for with uh with this is that it it is pretty affordable you know like with fauna shaman you have to have bed by with green something and you have that friend evil titan uh with splinter twin you have to have an uncommon from a brand new set yeah so it's yeah. so it's people will have the uh, the ability to build this deck right away uh yeah i mean the whole uh, deck can be built you know some of the lists online you know are just like a pretty simple blue red deck i mean the whole thing can be built for you know less than a hundred dollars which means that it's always going to get you know a certain type of player to, to go out and build it yep so and then um you know one last card and 
you know, we've heard a lot. I've heard a lot of whisperings about this card. A lot of pros are excited about this card, um, which makes me believe that there has to be something behind it, and that is none other than Mir Superion. Now, the most often talked about thing about this card is basically people say, "Well, it's Tarmogoyf," and you know, I'm starting to buy into it. Because in green, green gives us so many creatures that can produce two mana right now in standard. And I'm mostly thinking about Draga Tree Speaker and Lotus Cobra. That, you know, turn two near Superion just isn't that hard to get to. Um, you know, certainly turn three, um, you know, is, is actually pretty easy. In any types of decks that play Lotus Cobra or Draga Tree Speaker. I mean, so, even, you know, in a wall ramp yeah, deck, even Overgrown Battle, 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 you get yeah. two walls out. You know, if, if Overgrown Battlement was your turn two wall and you have a turn three wall, yeah. you know, there it is right there. So it's, it's certainly something that I think everyone should, you know, just keep in your mind if you enjoy that style of deck, you know, kind of a beat down mana ramp, you know, creature based deck. This is just a card, you know, keep in your back pocket um, because, you know, it's, it's just so easy to go turn one, you know, land, turn two, draw a tree speaker, or sorry, and a draw a tree speaker, turn two, you know, level up my tree speaker, cast Mirror Superion. Like, yeah. yeah, it's just it's just pretty straightforward. <laughs> Another thing is Birthing Pod will turn, you know, your one-drop creature into mm -hmm. this guy to go mm -hmm. cast it. Yeah, yeah, so, for sure, I mean, so... I don't, I don't know that Birthing Pod's a great card. Yeah, I don't, I don't think, think so, it's, but... <laughs> it's going in the deck I'm going to play. But, if, you know, it might give you a reason to play your Superion in your limited deck in your sealed or draft pool, so... For sure. For sure. Um, so, did, uh, have you gotten any questions at all, Wally, from any of our viewers? Uh, a, a few... Um, mostly about draft and, you know, how to read and how to send clear signals. Uh, and these all have come in, you know, in the last day or so, so I'm just kind of going to formulate my thoughts on that kind of a little better. Um, probably try and do, uh, write an article on it. Uh, it just seems that there's, there's a lot of questions about, you know, sending signals clearly mm -hmm. in draft, especially... Anytime a new set comes out, because there's, you know, you got to kind of learn the draft order and everything else. So uh, look for that next week. Yeah, so um, one question I get, you know, all the time, especially at sealed events, obviously, is kind of how do I judge the power of a card, right? Like, what makes this card better than this card? Um, so, you know, I'll talk a little bit about that right now, I think. Um, what I creatures are probably the easiest to judge in my opinion um, what I always start with is I add the power and toughness together and then I divide by two so let's just take kind of a classically powerful card right now and kind of do that so if we take primeval well actually let's take Baneslayer Angel so we take Baneslayer Angel we say you know 5-5 five, five, so 5-5 five, five. 5 plus 5 is 10 divided by 2 is 5 so if you divide by two and 
Um, basically, you get you know the average between the power and toughness. So you you know you're getting about what you should, right? So, yeah. You know, the other thing you can do is just also say, you know, take the uh, yeah. So basically, you know, you know you're getting about what you should. So then you take you know the creature's abilities. What does it come with? Well, Baneslayer Angel, you know, obviously comes with first strike, um, life link, and also like double protection. Now, like in today's standard, like the protection hasn't proven as relevant, but you know, like when Broodmate Dragon was running around, like obviously incredibly relevant. Yeah. Um, so. Um, so yeah, so that's just a, kind of a way to start. So for example, you know, a creature that does not you know perhaps seem you know too overly powered um, a lot of people talked about in the new set you know this is one that you know i kept seeing people's sideboards i'm like why is this in your sideboard and they're like well i'm not playing white i'm like you don't you obviously don't get this was porcelain legionnaire which you know you proved to be a beating in your deck so if you do that with porcelain legionnaire you know basically you say okay three plus one is four divided by two is two so i should expect to pay you know two mana for this card right Okay, so it's worth, it has also has first strike. All right, so I guess I should be willing to pay about three. You know, first strike's usually worth like almost an entire mana. It, it's it's a pretty powerful, um, you know, keyword. So basically, you kind of an average, you know, normally powered creature card. You should expect to pay three. Um, you know, maybe even four for a three-one first strike. You know, the fact that it's three power. Yep. But what do you cast this card for? One. <laughs> well, two, right? Two and two life. Sure, two and two life. So you cast this card for two and two life. So you basically get to play this card for two. So basically that is how I start out. So I say, well, I expect to cast this card for three, but the fact that I can cast it for two and two life, but, you know, that's not always irrelevant, but, you know, in this circumstance, you can cast it for two, you know, that's where you get value. So, you know, as far as evaluating creatures, that's kind of the general format that I use. Um, you know, another great example of that is perhaps um, the viral Drake that we talked about. You know, you can do the same formula, and it stacks up very well. Now, that one has a little bit unique because proliferate is very unique, you know, in the set. Um, as being a very powerful mechanic and being able to do it as many times as you want, you know, makes it even more powerful. But that's just kind of a general guideline. Um, do you have any extra thoughts on that? Or No, I think you, you covered it pretty well. I mean, just, you know, as long as the average of the power and toughness is equal to or less than the converted mana cost of the creature, uh-huh. um, it's probably a good creature. Yeah. Just, just something... You know, just just keep it in your mind, and you know, eventually you just you won't you won't run the formula. You know, you'll just know the format. You'll know the creatures. Yeah. But if you're if you're looking to kind of you know figure out stuff on your own, you know, like obviously you can read set reviews and tournament reports and see what's being played, what's good. But it is always good to kind of have your own your own way, you know, your own thoughts on creatures because you know you might value a creature way higher than the average because of how you how you figured it or, you know, this way of figuring it. And it lets you know that you can pick up, you know, Porcelain Legionnaire a little bit later in the draft if somebody hasn't caught a Revival Drake a little bit later in the draft. So it's especially helpful in, 
and drafting as well. It's, you know, making those decisions within the time limit. Yeah, completely agree. So we'll, uh, that's, a, that's, you know, that's a whole topic by itself, and I think we'll cover kind of how we value spells, you know, maybe in our next cast, um, for those of you that were interested in that as well. Spells are definitely trickier um, because they're kind of one-time use cards. They're very set-specific, very environment-specific, but, you know, we can kind of give some basic guidelines on that, you know, when we, uh, when we get together next. Yeah, um, just one one more short little little thing. Is there is there a deck? You know, without going into into detail, I'm a big fan of you know secret and deck lists. But are is there a deck that you're that you're brewing on right now? Um, I'm basically thinking about. Think it will be? I'm basically brewing kind of two different lists, um, and one you know we've kind of been working on together is um, using Surge Node. Um, and chalices and sphere of the suns and um, kind of stuff like that to kind of power out some pretty powerful cards, you know, Gideon or Karn or you know, maybe even Eldrazi, um, you know, pretty early. Um, so that's something we've worked on together, I know. Um, and you've been testing it more than I have, and it seems pretty powerful. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, so far the uh, the version I'm I'm testing. Uh, I don't think I've dropped a game. I've, I've probably played 40 games with it, and I don't think I've dropped a game yet. So. Yeah, so, I mean, clearly clearly pretty powerful. Um, and then a deck I keep playing around with is this kind of uh, metal red deck. Um, and it's, 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 it's actually a very similar build. It's uh, Spear of the Suns, Everflow, and Chalice. Um, and it actually has Volt Charge um, and Tezzeret's Gambit. Even though it doesn't play any blue cards, you just always pay life for the Gambit. Um, basically to give Metal Red the reach it never had. Um, and then the most important card is Koth. And also a place called Dolpha Phoenix and Inferno Titan, obviously. Um, and kind of the way the deck goes is, you know, like turn one, don't do anything. And then turn two, you either cast a, a Sphere or an Everflowing Chalice. Then turn three, you cast Koth and, you know, an Animated Mountain. And it enables you to basically, in turn four... Um, cast one of those proliferate spells, either Tez's Gambit or Volt Charge. Um, and not only proliferate your mana, but also proliferate Koth, so that then you can ultimate him that turn. And whenever that's happened, you know, I, I've, I've never lost a game. Um, so kind of an essential part of the way I build decks is that, you know, it has to have a hand in which you feel unbeatable. And if a deck doesn't have that, then you shouldn't be playing the deck. And... If you do, even if you don't draw the unbeatable hand, it should still be playable. And that's kind of where I'm at on this deck, is tinkering it to the level that if I don't necessarily draw an unbeatable hand, you know, the hand is still playable, and I feel like I still have a good chance of winning. So, so that's where All I'm right. at there. Uh, so, a uh, couple quick shout-outs, I guess. Uh, yep. Uh, Team Ronin which is uh, our play group, you know, obviously, you know, clean it up at pre-releases, uh, and hopefully the release this weekend, uh, I'll be playing again at Lake Geneva Games, you know, Jason's the owner there, you know, they've been in business for, you know, six months or so, and he's doing great, you know, he has, he told me on Saturday, for the first time, he has one of every card in standard, uh, available for sale, which is pretty cool. Except he did, you know, he had to get to track down a Venser because I keep buying all of his Vencers. Um, 
but but that's it. So uh, shout out to them. I'll be there on Saturday. Uh, you know, if you want to come out and and scoop to me, you know, it'll be appreciated. Uh, but yeah, that's that's my main shout out. Yeah, I just did the math actually. Team Ronan went uh, fifteen seven and two at the uh, at the at the pre-release, so pretty solid. <laughs> who was? Oh, it's, I was like, who was the other draw? But I realized that it was two, you. To each other. <laughs> yeah, to each other. So uh, yeah, definitely pretty solid work. Um, yeah, give a shout out. Uh, like New Games, Jason runs a good shop. I'm excited to uh, to play there again soon. And then I made a big mistake by not giving a shout-out to Evil Squirrel Comics in our last cast, and I feel badly about that. There was a little bit of confusion, and Evil Squirrel Comics, for clarification, is still running Weekend Magic, and you can still buy all of your product there as well. Um, the only thing they canceled was their weekday magic, so their Thursday night drafts and their, and their, F, and their uh, F&Ms. So, drinking drafts are still on. Saturday, you know, draft days is still on. All the release tournaments are still on. You can still buy all your product there. So, Evil Squirrel Comics still a really great place to, uh, to you know, to play Magic. Yeah, I'm gonna have to agree. I went to the M11 pre-release there and had a lot of fun. Yeah, so definitely. So yeah, so Lake Geneva Games, uh, definitely our kind of home, our adopted home store. Check it out. They just got their website up. Uh, and uh, so go check it out yeah bye from Jason yeah so that's about it for uh, this week so hope you like the cast uh, leave any comments in the section below um, follow us at twitter uh, at uh, Trevor Isham or at WDB4TH um, and uh, our emails are in the bottom so Hope you like it. Have a great week. Yeah, good luck, guys.